Who are you listening to right now? Who are you listening to right now? I, I know that you're listening to me right now, uh, uh, unless you've tuned me out already, or you've settled into your mid-morning nap, or, or you found something more interesting to do on your phone. But I don't mean like right now, right now. I mean, not this instant. I mean these days. Who are you listening to? There are a lot of voices out there trying to influence you and me. You and I are bombarded all day long with messages on our phones, on the television, on the radio, out on the internet, at work, in the neighborhood, in our families. There are a lot of voices out there telling us who we are, telling us what's wrong with us, telling us what we really need and what we really need to do. I think this microphone was set up for Greg Strand last week. It doesn't quite fit on me this week. For example, this is political ad season, right? Anybody ready for that to stop? And who to believe? None of those ads are actually looking out for you, right? They all just want something from you. And they're willing to use your fear and your outrage to get it from you. But it's not just political ads. It's all the ads out there. And all the stuff that isn't an ad, but it's still a voice trying to tell you what to believe. Who are you listening to? What voices are you letting in? The voices out there don't all say the same thing, do they? Often they're in competition with one another for your faith. And a number of them are labeled Christian. Right? Christian. Well, if it's Christian, it's got to be true. But just because it wears the label doesn't mean that the message is actually from Christ. In his day, Jeremiah was not the only person who wore the label of prophet. We think he was, like he was the only prophet running around. But no, there were a number of people running around Judah in the 40 years of the reigns of Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah who claimed to be prophets of the Lord. Got the label. But the Lord said he sent Jeremiah, he told us that back in chapter 1, but he never sent these prophets. They were false. They were fake. And yet they still ran with their message. Got to get our message out there. And at first glance, it might have been hard to tell which ones were real and which ones were not. For example, most of Jeremiah's prophecies took so long to be fulfilled. Forty years, he was telling them the judgment was coming and didn't come for 40 years. Were they the real ones? And I know which ones sounded better. I, I know which ones Judah probably wanted to be true. And don't we always lean towards the option we want to be true? We have a bias towards what we want to believe. But Jeremiah's message was true, and these other prophets were false, and that's what this chapter is all about. I have four bullet points of application this morning of what to do about all these voices and messages out there that are coming at us, and even sadly sometimes from us, that are false. Here's number one. Kevin, give us number one. Weep. Weep over the misuse of God's holy words. Look with me at chapter 23, verse 9. Concerning the prophets, 
my heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. I'm like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine, because of the Lord and his holy words. As usual, Jeremiah is feeling it, right? Far from being detached from or ambivalent about this situation, he feels it in his bones. When he thinks about these so-called prophets of Judah, his heart is broken. His bones tremble. When your bones tremble, what happens to the rest of you? The whole, he, he was shaking like a leaf. In fact, he, he's all, he says he's almost out of control like a guy who is drunk. Jeremiah, again, teaches us to lament, to weep over sin and its consequences, to care. It'd be easier to just stop caring. To harden your heart when the people around you start listening to false prophets. I have a lot of friends over the years who have let the wrong voices into their ears and into their hearts. And they followed false teachers. I see it all the time on my Facebook feed. And it'd be easier to just say, well, that's their problem. But Jeremiah doesn't do that. He lets his heart be broken over the misuse of God's holy words. We've seen that's what it means to be prophetic. Not just to speak the truth, but to speak it with tears. Because this is what happens when you believe the false prophets. Look at verse 10. The land is full of adulterers. Because of the curse, the land lies parched. And the pastures in the desert are withered. The prophets follow an evil course and use their power unjustly. Both prophet and priest are godless. Even in my temple I find their wickedness, declares the Lord. See how much he cares? See that emphasis on justice? and How much the Lord cares about justice? When he says that the land is full of adulterers, he probably means primarily idolatry. Which we know is a metaphor for spiritual adultery. The people of Judah have forsaken their first love and bowed down to false gods. How come? Because the prophets have said, it's okay. And they're even doing it themselves. So this is what's coming, Jeremiah says. Judgment. Verse 12. Therefore, their path will become slippery. They'll be banished to darkness and there they will fall. I will bring disaster on them in the year they are punished, declares the Lord. They will not escape. Jeremiah is not happy about it. He weeps over it. He feels it in his bones. Verse 13, among the prophets of Samaria up in the north, I saw this repulsive thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. That was terrible. Did you guys in the south see that? Did you see what happened to them? The northern kingdom was carted off into exile to Assyria. Did you learn anything from that? Apparently not. Because I see the same thing happening here in Judah, verse 14. And among the prophets of Jerusalem in the south, I've seen something horrible. They commit adultery and live a lie. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his wickedness. They are all like Sodom to me. The people of Jerusalem are like Gomorrah. 
On second thought, it might not have been that hard to tell the difference between the true prophets and the false ones. The false ones were encouraging idolatry, the worship of other gods. Moses prepared them for this. He he wrote in Deuteronomy 13 and 18 that any prophet that does that should be executed. And these prophets not only allowed the people to get away with it, they were doing it themselves too. And perhaps the adultery here was literal as well. Not just spiritual adultery, but physical adultery. Breaking their marital promises. These prophets were hypocrites. They said one thing, and they did another. They said they were from the Lord, but then they worshipped the Baals. And they slept around promiscuously. They were as far gone as Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know what happened to those cities. Notice how important it is that a prophet's life and his message should match. We say talk the talk and walk the walk, right? God do both. If you are discerning which voices to let into your ears, consider the character of the person to whom you're listening. Is there a match or a mismatch between their talk and their walk? Yes, you can speak the truth better than you live it. And it's true regardless of who says it. The truth is truth regardless of who says it. And some people can live it better than they can talk it. But there's supposed to be a congruence between life and doctrine. Look for that. That's where the gold is. People who practice what they preach should be the ones we listen to the most. And that's in every area of life, but especially those who are talking directly about spiritual things. Notice also the importance of repentance here. These prophets did not call for repentance. And that was their main error beyond the way they lived. It was the main error in their message. They didn't call for anyone, verse 14, to turn from his wickedness. That's the main way that they were like Sodom and Gomorrah. Not primarily because of sexual sin, but because of unrepentance. Instead, these false prophets strengthened, strengthened the hands of evildoers. Made it easier to sin. They encouraged the sin. Do the voices you're listening to encourage your sin or your sanctification? Your temptation or your holiness? Who are you listening to? Do the voices you're listening to encourage you to repent? To live a life of repentance? The prophets of Judah did not encourage repentance. And they were going to reap the consequences with the rest of the people. Verse 15. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty says concerning the prophets. I will make them eat bitter food and drink poisoned water. Because from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has spread throughout the land. Here's point number two. Kevin, point number two. Reject. Reject the lies you want to believe. Look at verse 16. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen 
to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. That last part's really important. Not only do they lead bad lives, but they speak bad lies. And those lies come from their own minds. They make them up. They're not from the mouth of the Lord. They came up with, they invented them. And so we're supposed to reject them. Do not listen. But that's not so easy because we want to believe them. The Lord says they fill you with false hopes. The word for hopes there is kind of literally the word for emptiness. Could be translated emptiness. So they fill you with emptiness. It's just figments of their imagination. But boy, does it sound good. They're so positive and encouraging, these prophets. These guys are not all doom and gloom like Jeremiah. They're the prophets of peace. Doesn't that sound good? Mm, yeah, I listen to the prophets of peace. I tune in every time they're on the radio. Verse 17. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will befall you. No harm will come to you. See what they're doing? They're telling them what they want to hear. You will have peace. No harm will come to you. Doesn't that sound good? Man, I want somebody to speak that over me. You will have peace. No harm will come to you. That's really positive. There's lots of smiles and soothing, reassuring words. But notice what there isn't. There's no call to change. They keep saying, to whom? To those who despise me. The Lord is speaking here. Those who hate me, they say, peace, peace. And to those who are stubborn in their hearts, I'm not going to change. They say, no worries. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. You don't need to change. You don't need to repent. You don't need to turn from your evil ways. That's exactly the kind of message that we need to reject. Amen? The Lord says, do not listen to what these prophets are prophesying to you. Reject the lies you want to believe. Now apply that to your life right now. What specific lies... Do you want to be believing? What sins would you rather not repent of right now? Don't think about somebody else's sins. That's too easy. Think about your own. I know some of mine. What about yours? And, and who's telling you? What's the voice? Who's telling you to go ahead? And just live however you want. Who are you listening to? That was actually the problem with these prophets. They weren't listening to the right voices either. Look at verse 18. But which of them, these prophets, has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or to hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? The book of Jeremiah is one of my wife Heather's most favorite books in the whole Bible. 
And she especially loves this verse, Jeremiah 23, 17. I wish she was here this morning to hear me preach it. It may be her only chance. How often do you preach Jeremiah 23? I could not count all the times that she has prayed this one verse over me, praying that I would stand in the counsel of the Lord to listen to and hear his word so that I can deliver it to you on a Sunday morning. Very appropriate for a month focused on what pastors do. Jeremiah implies that these so-called prophets have not stood in the counsel of the Lord. They've not been in the room where it happens, right? They're given some kind of a report, but they weren't there. They haven't actually heard what God's plans are. They're just making stuff up. Jeremiah, however, was hearing from the Lord himself. He was, so to speak, in the cabinet room, hearing the Lord's plans himself, and then faithfully delivering the Lord's message to the Lord's people. And of course, I am not a prophet. And Joel is not a prophet. But we have the counsel of the Lord right here in this book. What did we just say? We believe that God has spoken in the scriptures, both the Old and New Testaments, through the words of human authors. God has spoken. As the verbally inspired word of God, the Bible is without error in the original writings, the complete revelation of his will for salvation and the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. This is the Lord's counsel. Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. And if Joel or I or anyone else that stands here and preaches to you explain and expound what is in this word, then we're standing in the counsel of the Lord. And that will mean at times saying things that make us all uncomfortable. That means that we will call for change for repentance, for turning from sin and to holiness. And it means that we will warn everyone of the wrath to come. Look at verse 19. See, the storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath, a whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart in days to come you will understand it clearly. He's talking about the exile, the great uprooting. He's always talking about the exile, isn't he? Because it was sure to come. Jeremiah was a broken record about a broken covenant, which meant that God's judgment was going to fall on the unrepentant, and that's a picture of what hell is going to be. God's wrath poured out on those who will not repent. The storm of the Lord. In days to come, you will understand it clearly. But these prophets did not understand it clearly. And they rejected it wholeheartedly. They had their own ideas. Look at verse 21. I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. Reject the lies you want to believe, including the lie that you don't have to repent 
and trust in Jesus Christ. You do. And so do I. It's the only way. He is the only way. And if we do, then we will have peace. Ironically, those who say peace, peace will not have peace in the end. But those who say turn, turn will have peace when they do. So be careful whom you believe. Be careful whom you listen to. And also be careful what you yourself proclaim. Here's number three. Kevin, number three. Beware. Beware of faking God's message yourself. Look at verse 23. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can anyone hide in secret places so I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. What awesome questions, right? Beautiful questions. The answers are obvious from the way he asks them, but they are awesome anyway about it. Am I only a God nearby and not a God far away? What's the answer to that question? No. He's both, right? He's both near and far. Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him? What's the answer? No. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? Yes. That's why he declares it. He doesn't ask the, just ask the question. He asks the question, he says, declares the Lord. God is not just a local deity that can't see around corners and never leaves the area. You can't get away from him. You can run, but you cannot hide. How far did anyone travel this week? Anybody here get out of Clearfield County? Raise your hand if you were out of Clearfield County today, this week. Okay, good. How about out of the state? Anybody get out of the state? Okay. How about out of the country? Raise your hand if you're out of the country this week. If, Canada, if Heather was back, she could say, I was in Canada last week. Anybody west of the Mississippi in the last week? Who came the furthest? Okay, we have to do it a little bit harder. Anybody see an ocean this week? Okay, saw an ocean. Saw an ocean. Okay, uh... A thousand miles. Seven hundred miles. All right. You win. Okay, good. The prize was, I said, you win. That, that was the prize. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody get away from the Lord this week? Anybody go somewhere he wasn't? Is he not a God far away and a God near? Well, that's really encouraging because we can sing wherever we go. But it's also supposed to awaken in us the fear of the Lord. Because the Lord is saying that every single word that the fake prophets had uttered was caught on a hot mic. And he heard it. Verse 25, I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. Didn't get past me. They say, I had a dream. I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? Of their own minds. They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name just as their fathers forgot my name through Baal worship. Beware. 
Because speaking like you're talking for God when you're just talking for yourself is dangerous. Because you and I can find ourselves acting like these fake prophets ourselves. And people are listening to what we say. You represent the Lord. You're listening to me right now. How dangerous it would be for me to just start preaching my own ideas. On Tuesday night, the elders met for our monthly meeting. And we started by studying James chapter 3. We've been working through James and we just hit James 3 this week. Verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And that doesn't just go for those of us who stand in the pulpit, but whenever we give advice or counsel and say that it is biblical, that this is what God says, let's not throw in our own inventions. Number four and last, speak. Kevin, number four, speak. Speak the word of God faithfully. Look at verse 28. Let the prophet who has a dream tell his dream. Huh. But let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Three more delicious rhetorical questions. And they all point to how awesome is God's holy word. What has straw to do with grain? What's he mean by that? He's comparing the message of the fake prophets from the word of God. And their message sounds great, but it has no nutritional value. You know, the, the cereal box looks pretty on the outside, but it says 0% of your recommended daily allowance of nutrients. Straw. But he says, but God's word is grain. And more than grain, it's fire. And it's a hammer. It's got power. It's effective. It changes things. It breaks down hard hearts. It reveals what's really real. It's relentlessly effective. This is the reason I'm a preacher. It's because this thing is fire. This thing is a hammer. And that might mean that sometimes it hurts. But my job is to give this fire to you. And your job is to give this fire to the people in your life. Let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. Because the alternative is having God against you. Look at verse 30. Therefore, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets. Who steal from one another words supposedly from me. Yes, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who wag their own tongues and yet declare, the Lord declares. Indeed, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and lead my people astray with their reckless lies, yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit these people in the least, declares the Lord. That's a lot of declares the Lord, isn't it? Five times and three verses. And three times, I am against, I am against, I am against these prophets. Our new song says, he's not against me, he's for me. But the Lord said, I'm against these prophets. 
Notice in verse 30, he says that they plagiarize each other. (laughs) They're not only lying, but they're stealing each other's lies. They're just repeating the things they've heard that sounded good. Ooh, that one sounded good. I'll say that one next week at church. That is so bad for people. And here's the upshot. Look at verse 33. When these people, or a prophet, or a priest, ask you, what is the oracle of the Lord? Say to them, what oracle? I will forsake you, declares the Lord. Now there's a a play on words going on there. The Hebrew word for oracle could be also translated burden, which we kind of use both ways too. So it's like, what's the burden from the Lord? What message has he laid on your heart? And the answer back is, what burden? You're the burden. And I'm going to unburden myself of you. Verse 34. If a prophet or a priest or anyone else claims this is the oracle of the Lord, I will punish that man and his household against. This is what each of you keeps on saying to his friend or relative. What is the Lord's answer? Or what has the Lord spoken? But you must not mention the oracle of the Lord again. Because every man's own word becomes his oracle. And so you distort the words of the living God, the Lord Almighty, our God. This is what you keep saying to a prophet. What is the Lord's answer to you? Or what has the Lord spoken? Although you claim this is the oracle of the Lord, this is what the Lord says, you use the the words, this is the oracle of the Lord, even though I told you you must not claim this is the oracle of the Lord. Therefore, I will surely forget you, cast you out of my presence, along with the city I gave to you and your fathers. I will bring upon you everlasting disgrace, everlasting shame that will not be forgotten. The point is not just that they're not allowed to say these words anymore, the oracle of the Lord. Like, if you just stop saying those words, everything gets fixed. That's not what it means. The point is that the phrase has been used as cover for stuff they just made up. And that's not being faithful with God's word. If you're going to say, this is the word of the Lord, then it better be the word of the Lord. Because the Lord has already given his answer. They keep saying, what's the answer? What's the answer? Jeremiah has been telling them the answer. They're going to be uprooted. They're going to be cast out of his presence along with Jerusalem. Jeremiah didn't like it. He hated it. He wept over it, but he faithfully delivered this message. Jeremiah stood in the counsel of the Lord and then faithfully spoke the word of God to the people of God. And you know who that reminds me of? The greatest prophet there ever was. The Lord Jesus Christ. Talk about standing in the counsel of the Lord. Jesus is God, the one and only, who has come from the Father's side. John John 1.18 If anyone can speak faithfully the word of God, it's him. He's the righteous branch that we read about the first part of chapter 23. He is the Lord, our righteousness. In fact, his father said this at the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then what did he say? Listen to him. Listen to him. Who are you listening to right now? The Lord did send Jesus. Listen to him. 